Apparently, keeping secrets pays when it comes to getting the most money in a job negotiation. These stunning new data that caught us way off guard and made us smile. That and so much more on this episode of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And coming to you from Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Acre Trader, investing in farmland simplified. Mark Twain said, buy land, they're not making it anymore. And farmland, very, very boring investment in a lot of great ways. For more information on Acre Trader, head to acretrader.com forward slash MWF. We're not going to talk much about farmland today. We're going to talk about your own half acre, though, taking care of your yeah. own half acre, your salary. And uh, this this piece surprised me, Bobby. There was a lot of, when you first sent this to me, I went, yeah, this is uh, all right. And then I read it and I went, oh my, oh my. Pretty yeah, there's a lot of interesting data. So it, it definitely gives you a lot to think about, especially in this era where we are being pushed to be more transparent with our salaries, certainly among our peers, so that we know what our job category, let's say, should pay. This, well, let's just say it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. A lot to parse here. So let's get into it. Let's see who's going to help us kick off today's show. This is Andy from Derby, Vermont. Friends, check. Money, check. Friends with money, let's do this. All right. This is from Market Watch. Joe, do you have the author in front of you? I think yeah, I somehow it, deleted that. Uh, Andrew Keshner wrote this piece. All right. Thank you, Andrew. The headline is, this is what happens when employers can't ask job applicants about salary history. Silence can be golden for workers when it comes to revealing their salary history, a new study suggests. Workers who did not show potential employers their pay history had double-digit jumps in their wages and were able to bargain better wages than workers who revealed their past pay, according to a study circulated by the National Bureau of Economic Research. Researchers at the University of Minnesota and MIT Sloan School of Management, very impressive there, devised an experiment with almost 3,000 employers posting job openings on an unidentified online job site, could, see the wa- could not see the wages previous employers paid an applicant during a two-week period. A separate group of 3,000 employers could see the applicant pay history. So it's kind of an A-B survey. Okay, this is where it gets interesting. The experiment found employers who couldn't see the pay history asked 13% more questions of applicants, but once the experiment was over, they asked 22% fewer questions than during the experiment. Workers who pay, whose pay history was hidden from view accepted wages that were 9% more of their initial bid compared to workers whose previous wages were known. In other words, not having them know what you were making, you were able to get 9% above the initial offer versus not. Employers without the salary information considered more candidates, asked applicants more questions about their capabilities, and were actually more likely to hire. It also helped people who were paid lower wages in their previous jobs. That's not surprising. Employers who could not see salary history hired workers with a 13% percent 
lower past average wages. In other words, what it's saying basically is people that maybe were making lower salary wouldn't even be considered because maybe they people would perceive it was too big a jump, I guess. Right, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, working paper comes as a growing number of states and cities are enacting rules forbidding employers from asking job applicants what they've been paid in the past. Almost 20 states have passed or enacted salary history bans, and another 20 cities like New York City, Atlanta, and New Orleans have bans in some form. The Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia sued that city over its 2017 ban, arguing it violates members' free speech rights. The case is pending before the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. Salary history ban proponents say when employers can inquire about past salary, that can unfairly drag down wages, especially for women already hampered by the wage gap. It goes into this more, but I want to I want to just make sure we cover one more piece and then I think we can chat about it. if I scroll down to the bottom of the piece. It says uh, this uh, 2017 survey by Payscale concluded women who refuse to discuss their pay history earn 1.8% less than women who discussed the number. Yet when men refused to talk about their pay, they ended up with 1.2% more compared to male counterparts who did discuss their past pay. So it doesn't look like following this advice of not giving your pay works for everybody equally. Yeah, that's kind of upsetting. That's not a part that made me smile. No. As a woman, I think that's really a double standard. And I think that it's really a frustration that I think a lot of women have. It's that, you know, you do have stereotypes and they do play out in real life. They are that way for a reason. But very often women that ask for more money, I mean, this happened to me in the last couple of years. I was in a, uh, I do some freelance work and I asked for the money that I knew somebody else was getting. And while they did give it to me, the note back, uh, said I was being aggressive. Wow. Yeah. It used that words. And um, the person even compared me to his daughters and said, I respect the fact that women feel they need to be aggressive. And I know, and he did not deny that somebody else doing the exact same job was making the higher wages, even though that person had been working with them less for less time. And a male? Um, It was actually not a male. Yeah. It was not a male. It was a, it was a woman. But the but the language that came back, um, you know, that person had just come in and asked for more to begin with, and um, and it was time for me to ask for that money. And I had asked that person, you know, what they were making, and and that person did share it with me, so that was good. But um, you know, I, the point is that I was labeled aggressive in compared to daughters, which is why I do think it was gender based because there was a comparison to this person's daughters, and then the word aggressive. And he understood the fact that I needed, felt I needed to be aggressive as a father of, of four, you know, four daughters. And I think that that, that, that is the tie to the gender. Well, yeah. yeah Once yeah. he's bringing up his children, yeah. he's comparing me to his female children yeah. and asking for a number that no one disputed was the same as somebody else doing the same job was making. Um, so yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's real. Weird. I mean, yeah. My, uh, uh, you know, what's funny is that, that, you know, they mentioned this lawsuit here about the uh, greater Philadelphia Chamber of Commerce suing because they want to make sure that their members are able to see wages. And the, the city law says that you can't, you know, you, you don't have to disclose your wage, uh, your existing wage if you're somebody. I get that fight. But the interesting piece here for me, this piece kind of sounded like, Bobby, employers might be better off too because if you don't know what the wages 
are that people are earning, you ask more questions. So mm-hmm. people, so these companies did more due diligence to make sure they had the right person. I'll tell you, and you know this, I just hired a couple of, of a part-time uh, people to be producers for the Stacking Benjamins podcast. We asked a ton of questions because of some of the um, some of the help I got from some coaches that I have. We asked far more questions than I thought we probably needed to ask. But I'll tell you, now that these people have been working with us for three months, I wouldn't do it any differently. I I I feel like the second they started working with me, I know these people. I know a lot about them, and regardless of the salary amount. Um, uh, I I want to make sure that we we hire the right person. So if this helps companies ask more questions, even though you're paying your people more, you might get a lot more out of them because you know you're hiring the right person. I also like the fact that it made people hire candidates they might not have considered because whether we like it or not, sometimes people assign value to what someone has paid and they think, oh, in this previous job, they were paid, they were paid so much money. They must be really good. Or, oh, well, they were paid such a low amount. You know, it's tough. There's so many creative titles these days, Joe. It's hard to kind of peg where someone is in the hierarchy and no one wants to hire someone, you know, three levels up when they really want to hire someone who's on the verge of that level or whether it's a lateral move or something. So you don't want to hire sort of someone that you might perceive as being less qualified because of their salary. And by not having that that information, it kind of levels the playing field a little bit. Yeah. And to some degree, I mean, this whole piece until you get to that statistic at the end makes me think that it's a better strategy to hide it, to hide what you're currently making. Um, But, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no. I mean, regardless of whether this is going to be a big jump or not, I think it, it might be in everybody's best interest for you to hide it, even the employer. Here's the interesting flip though, especially among women now, and I do advocate this, in the right context, there is a big push for us to share what we are making with each other Sure. in order to help us all raise our pay and to have a reasonable amount of pay parity. As I mentioned, that person that was making more money, um, just because they asked and they'd been there longer and I just hadn't asked um, for a raise until that time and that was the right time anyway, that person shared that information with me and that was really helpful. So peer-to-peer sharing, I think, is a different thing and, and can be incredibly helpful you can't, I don't think it's good to go shout out your numbers to, you know, without being careful. Right. It's more of a whisper. You do have to be careful because some, for example, sometimes you have clients where you are signing NDAs of some sort and there are agreements that you not disclose your salary. So you need to make sure that you are, that there's nothing stopping you from disclosing that. So there are times when it should be private. I've also had times where there's some organizations that just say, this is what we pay for this. We make that number public and we do not negotiate. And that is that. And therefore, if you write for them, everyone's going to know what you're paid. But that's their thing. They're like, we don't get into haggling. This is what we pay. I I wish the whole world was that way. Myself. I, I disagree. Go really? ahead. Tell me why. Because because I just want to know what it costs. Or I want to know either what the item costs or what I'm going to get paid. Just tell me what that is. I don't want to think that I'm going to work and you're getting a better deal than I am and we're doing exactly the same work. I think it can create animosity later. It can create frustrations later if we find out that just because you're a better negotiator than I am that you're you're we're doing the same stuff. Um, I mean, I think it creates also some of the inequality that we see now because historically what we've seen in lots of, of experts that you and I both talk to is that women uh, feel like they're going to rock the boat more if they 
negotiate, so they tend not to. So partially, part of the pay inequality is this this um, this feeling like I can't negotiate or I shouldn't negotiate because I might not get the job. And the quicker we make that go away, I think better off we all are. I think those are all great points. But also, um, I've had times in my life where I've been able to negotiate for myself. And sometimes I'm a good negotiator, sometimes not the best, and you live with the consequences. And I've also worked for a union where there were, in theory, no negotiations you could do for yourself. And I will tell you that it is sometimes demoralizing for people to feel that they cannot get a raise if they do a better job. And sometimes you could have people in the same job title. And if there's no merit-based incentive, that can impact um the workplace a lot when you have someone who's not necessarily carrying their load and things like that. And so it gets tricky. I think you definitely want pay parity with people that are doing the exact same output and the exact same work. But you also, I, I think that there should be some nuance in terms of as you go through your career, not everyone has to get the exact same raise and there should be some variability. I I agree with that, but not on the starting level. I mean, at the starting level, no, it's, you're all starting at the same. You're starting at the same. That's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. At the starting level, it's like, hey, I don't want to like, like I have a friend that just uh, negotiated uh, a, a pay rate for a job. And he said, he's like, I knew I didn't start high enough when, when they asked what number I wanted and they immediately, the, the, the people on the other side of the table that he was getting ready to possibly go work for said, okay, great. And he's like, oh, there was Ooh. no pushback at all. And then by the way, the offer came in for $10,000 less than that number came in for $10,000 less. And so he went back and said, and said, Hey, um, I really, I told you my number was this. And the people said, Oh, we thought that was like your negotiating point. That was the, that, that, that was, I don't like that. No, it was horrible. It was horrible. You know what though? He took the job anyway. At 10,000 less? No, no. He ended up getting it at about 4,000 less. Yeah. And that also goes to read the contract because you'd be surprised with that. Even we've talked about car, buying a car. And sometimes they say one thing and the contract you sign says another thing. So always read your paperwork. Contract always wins. I can't tell you the number of, oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a whole different day of shows. But Uh, yes, when people are equally qualified and start the same job, of course, they should have the same pay. But I do think merit is always a good thing to incentivize merit pay. In just a second, Bobby and I are going to have our takeaway. But first, I'd like to talk just a second about buying farmland, because here's a little company that uh, when we started talking about Acre Trader, Bobby, about a year ago now, between a year ago and now, my, how things have changed for Acre Trader. And I think we've all seen uh, that farmland has been a fantastic investment. Doesn't mean that it's always going to be a fantastic investment, but I'll tell you why I like it. I like the fact that while America's farmland footprint is shrieking and shrinking, when it comes to historically uh, the payouts in farmland, it's very consistent. And the reason is we need to eat. Farmers have to have land. And because of that, if you own that farmland, you become then a piece of this machine that continues on for periods of time. What happens with Acre Trader is... Acre Trader takes a big old farm and they subdivide it because most of us don't have enough money to afford buying an entire field or we don't want to put uh, that much money into uh, one single investment in one single spot. So with Acre Trader, they take the farm, they subdivide it. By the way, they show different investments at acretrader.com so you can see exactly what farmland you're getting into. And then... Uh, 
you buy your little piece of the farm, AcreTrader takes care of the rest. They look at soil sustainability. They look at dealing with the farmer. You get a rent check every year before the crops go in. And then you hold onto the farmland until Acre Trader sells it. And then hopefully, uh, if things continue the way they have, that's for a nice profit. But at the very least, you get this consistent rent check. So for more on how it works, because you definitely want to know more about how it works before you invest, head to acretrader.com forward slash MWF. Bobby, what are we going to do with this piece? You go first this time. All right. I think... I think that that when it comes to negotiating, I have a very difficult time, as I said earlier, but I realize this, this is the one place where you have to stand up for yourself. You have to. And in this particular case, what we found out is that in most cases, if I give up too much information, the other side wins. So what I want to do is go into a negotiation realizing that I don't need to share everything. I need to just put my best foot forward and that might not need to include the amount of money that I make right now. Maybe it comes up later. Maybe it doesn't come up later. I would also look and see what the rules are in your area as more places make it illegal for your future possible employer to ask that information. You want to know that going in so that if they ask you, you've got the perfect out. I'd love to tell you that, but as you and I both know, I'm not allowed to tell you that, which is a great cop out that uh, helps you. And based on this study, Bobby also makes it maybe that they ask more questions and you go into a job that's a great fit for you and a great fit for them. I think that is such a good point. That is very well said. Um, the irony from for me, my takeaway is that the irony is that this comes at a time when we're being encouraged to be more transparent to our peers about salary information in order to better advocate for ourselves. So be selective in who you share information with. And remember, though, that even though employers, potential employers cannot ask, they can find out in other ways. There's a lot of data out there, even though technically they should not. So just be aware. Yeah, I. it's it's. Yeah, so important. You don't have to share, but don't misrepresent. No. Just a warning. (laughs) Just saying. That'll come back to, I mean, how many of those headlines have we seen? People losing their job because they misrepresented themselves. Yeah, like resume stuff. Something, even something innocuous on a resume because of the principle of misrepresenting. We've had, there there was some CEO that lost his job because he said he graduated from a school that he attended for a year. I don't remember who that is, but everyone can go Google that one. Yeah, Um, It it happens because that kind of thing is taken very seriously as a character flaw. It just happened to somebody in the administration just a few weeks ago. Mm, Yeah. Somebody, somebody left, but um, yeah. Yeah. Not worth it. Uh, the, uh, so she's Bobby Rebel, the queen of Europe. My name's Joe. I'm the CEO of, uh, no, I'm just kidding. The, uh, uh, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody here at Money with friends for another day. We did this live on YouTube. If you want to join us on YouTube to watch us make the donuts here, head to, uh, youtube.com, put in money with friends and you will find our page subscribe so that you'll get a, a, uh, alert whenever we go live. Yes. We also do try to put it on our Instagram when we know in advance what we're going to do. We also post questions and quizzes and little um, polls that you guys love to participate in. We love having you. And that is at Money Friends Pod. That's also our handle on Twitter. We have one more week. This week is our last week of this season of Money with Friends. Who is finishing this off with you tomorrow, Bobby? Uh, That is Trey Bosch, smart shopping expert and my dear friend. 
I, I, I love it when Trey's on because we talk about practical consumer tips you can use today. Trey has the inside intel on everything. She's the best. It is fantastic. Bobby and Trey, we'll see you tomorrow. I'm Joe. I'll be back on Thursday. See you guys later. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.